Hi, I'm Matt. And I'm Casey. And this is Too Much Film School. This is our inaugural episode. We're going to do two episodes a week. A shorter one in which we discuss trailers for movies that are coming up that we're excited about. And then a longer one where we talk about movies that we've seen. Sometimes it'll be uh, a recent film and sometimes it'll be uh, more classic movies that we that we like and uh, or maybe dislike and would like to discuss. Uh, we went to USC Film School together. That's how we met and got the name for the podcast. While other people were studying engineering or science or medicine, we got to watch movies for four years and just critique them. Not even how to make them, just what other people did wrong. We are not filmmakers. I work in the television business and Casey works in video games and neither of us are really in a position to criticize what anybody else does with their movie. And yet we do, <laughs> at great length. It's what my degree is in. So I'm gonna do it and no one can stop me. And this week we're gonna start off with the prologue to The Dark Knight Rises along with the actual trailer to The Dark Knight Rises. The prologue was Interesting, highly anticipated. People were actually going to screenings of it outside of movies, just singing on their own. And by, by people, uh, you mean me. I, right. I actually did go see it uh, in advance. Just I, I stayed up until like midnight, watched just the trailer, and they gave me a t-shirt for my uh, troubles. Nice. Uh, we waited in line in Universal City for like two and a half hours or something. Totally worth it. I really liked uh, Batman Begins. I liked mm -hmm. Dark Knight even more. I remember seeing the, the prologue for Dark Knight in front of uh, I Am Legend, which was not a very good movie, and uh, the, the prologue was definitely the best part of that experience. This, uh, maybe it was just the buildup, but this this time it was a, a letdown. Yeah, I didn't go through a two and a half hour wait. <laughs> uh, I saw the first two movies. I didn't see the prologue for The Dark Knight before you know the scene taking place in the movie. And I'll go ahead and tell you that didn't factor in for me. It was still a letdown, just based on uh, loving the previous two movies. Um, this one just felt like it didn't live up to kind of the style that uh, the other movies promised. Same with the trailer. It doesn't look like it has the impact, I want to say. Yeah, it's it, and again, we're judging in advance, uh, like I like I love to do. The the prologue, it, it starts with the mayor from, from The Wire, and I love that show, and uh, just about everybody on that show is a great actor, including uh, Mayor Carcetti. I don't know the actor's real name, and I refuse to look him up on IMDb. I'm just going to refer to him as CIA Agent Carcetti from now on. Makes sense. Um, and uh, he's he's great on the wire, and is pretty terrible in this five minute you know short film. He's he's shouting in a very weird way, and I, and I realize part of it is a technical issue because the IMAX cameras are not designed for narrative filmmaking, and they're incredibly loud. They're also working on a plane for much of it, so well, they right. can just be shouting. Ge generally speaking, stunt, stunt scenes, uh, the audio is replaced anyways, but even when they're sitting on the tarmac, because of the IMAX format, they couldn't record the dialogue at the time, so it's re-recorded. And there's something about the way that he talks, it doesn't seem to fit his mouth. He seems like he's, it really feels like a re-recording. And you could say, again, I'm a film student, I know all of these things, but you go back and you look at the prologue for Dark Knight. You've got William Victor and you've got uh, the Joker. They're the, they, they're the only ones who have lines on screen. Prologue, for people that don't remember, was the bank robbery scene, the Joker. The Joker and his like five henchmen that, that kill each other in, in and sequence. The reveal at the end that yeah. it's the Joker. That uh, they are both, I mean, like you wouldn't know that William Victor was doing anything unusual. I mean, uh, he it sounds like it's just, uh, he's just doing a good, in terms of, technical acting he's doing a good job and then he's of course a great actor and so it's 
It's a me very memorable part, despite the fact that he's in the movie for two minutes. And for those of you that don't recognize the name, oh. uh, that's the bank manager at the mob bank that shoots several of the henchmen yeah. with the shotgun. He's, he's been in a million movies and television shows. He was Say, he was in prison break as, as the guy who was chasing after them. I want to say he was on Grace Under Fire. Really? Show from the 90s. Not sure that that's where anybody would remember William Victor. Him from Grace Under Fire. He's, uh, so uh, back to Dark Knight Rises. Mayor Carcetti doesn't, he should be that level yeah, and he just doesn't hit it. Similar role size with it being a small scene, few lines, but should be memorable. And it wasn't. It was a little overblown, shouty, and I didn't believe him in the short amount of time we have for him. He also doesn't seem good at his job. He, they pull up, he says, I'm CIA, which I thought was odd to just go shouting. <laughs> anyway, not that there's people around, but uh, usually they, I imagine they're more discreet. Uh, they say, oh, we found these other guys just wandering around. Do you want to take them on your super secret CIA plane too? Why not? The more the merrier. You know, like he's there to pick up one target and they say like, oh, he's connected, they're connected to the masked man. And then he goes, bane. And again, that's back to your delivery problems of it's not very great uh, line. The way he says bane, it, it sounds like he's clarifying to the guy who's asking, the, who said the masked man, oh, the masked man's name is bane. I'm pretty sure he knows that. Yeah. Like, it was a very strange way of saying that. Just that one word. Like, right. this is how crazy... His, his performances is that like every single word seems wrong. <laughs> it just didn't have a, it, there was no question mark at the end. There was like, I don't know if he was just contemplating or he should have been <laughs> biting his knuckle on his fist and going bang. Like if he's vexed him in the past and this is his nemesis, but he sort of doesn't seem to know a lot about him, but he takes them all on the plane. Then he, they get airborne. He takes them over to the door. He starts firing by their head and, uh, Threatening, he's saying, oh, I don't have room on my plane for all of you. So the first one to talk gets to stay on. He's shooting by their head out the window or the open door. And it's kind of a wussy... I like, sort of, I actually sort of thought that was interesting that, like, he was not a cold-blooded killer. He's trying to frighten them, but he's not actually willing to kill someone uh, for no reason. And in fact, it's actually smart. Any one of them might have information. Like, it's, you probably should keep them separate, and then interrogate them individually. Like, I'm not saying that he should kill them. I'm <laughs> saying he shouldn't threaten to if everyone's like, oh, he's or presumably in South America, just, again, kind of with the uh, background of Bane. That's where I imagine they're coming from. Uh, and it looks the part, you know, from what I know of South America. Uh, <laughs> so these men are working for Bane, who's a vicious killer, and, like, they would know that Americans kind of have to play by certain rules, and I don't think they believe he's going to do it in the first place. Which Bane says, yeah. Right, and then there's the reveal, you know, that it is Bane and stuff, and I'm like, it was so transparent that it just makes him look weak, you yeah. know, as a, like, come up with something else that you could uh, either threaten them with or something, but don't try and play the hard ass when you can't really follow through on it because of whatever protocols you have. Yeah, like Bane is, is, you know, kills everyone in sight, and this guy is not, he's not a threat to anyone. Right. Uh, and then the bad guy airplane arrives, and I, it's all real, and I sort of appreciate that they went to the, to the effort of shooting uh, on location with real objects and not all CGI and stuff like that, but airplane footage is always boring to me, <laughs> because it's so technical, you have to have the following camera, plane with the camera, it has to be at a certain 
you know, it's it's yeah, at sixteen thousand feet. Federal regulations that yes, you may want to get the shot, but we have to stay very. You, you have know, to go to a certain height. You go, everybody far, has far. to be going the same speed. Everybody, you know, it's all very exacting, and so the shots are always kind of dull. We have we're having this tense conversation between exactly. these between the two guys inside between the mayor and uh, Bane, and then we cut to the outside, and it's just not a great shot, mm-hmm. you know, and it's just the arrival of the plane. Eh, like it's it, it it diffused the tension in a way that was not uh, didn't add anything. Yeah, I thought that uh, even the the first shot of the plane coming in, I was thinking like, shouldn't the pilots be aware of that? I was at first wondering, don't planes have a near hit detection system that goes off when you get within a mile of each other? Like right. commercial airliners have to re- report a near miss as like two miles, I think. With and they report all that at the FAA. I realize they're a CIA secret plane, so they're probably not calling the they're FAA. They're not calling the FAA, so they're too close. But uh, I but would, they should know. If I they would have hope this they device. have a detection system that it's not like pilots spot those planes two miles out. So maybe the secret CIA plane and the secret Bane drug lord plane like took those devices out so they could be secret or something. I'll give them that. But then when the bad guy plane pulls in front of them and starts deploying guys out, they're like 30 degrees <laughs> off their nose. Yes, they're, you know, 500 yards up or something, but at that point, you can probably see them in through the window. <laughs> there's glass in the front. Be like, geez, there's guys in there. <laughs> Some evasive flying might be yeah, called for. like, again, the CIA guy, I feel, is terrible his job. Taking the guys on the plane, misstep, threatening them when you can't can't follow through and they will know that. Bane, you know, reveals himself. He says, ooh, was getting caught part of your plan? He's like, the first part. And, like, he should know, oh no, I'm screwed right now. And, or, shoot him in the chat. Like, if you weren't going to shoot his henchmen to get them, like, shoot him now, or shoot him. Like, I realize, again, I'm contradicting he has rules and everything, but this is the oh crap moment of, no, he's got something going on. And or I would let the pilots and everyone on board know to be on high alert, and then maybe they'd look up and see a plane. <laughs> uh, then suddenly, yeah, we go outside, they start the parachuting guys coming on zip lines from the other plane, jump down onto the outside of this plane, and I feel like, you know what, if you're rappelling down, doing 500 miles an hour through the air, you hit the side of a plane, you're not, it shows them hit like a little sideways and things, they have to orient themselves before they're able to start shooting. There are other CIA guys on the plane. There's a half a dozen guys in there. Who should be like, wow, look outside. There's a guy that just slammed sideways. <laughs> oh no, he's pointing a gun this way. I'm going to shoot out because I have 40 seconds of drop time on him. But instead, no, the guys on the outside of the plane who are, have oxygen mask and everything going wrong for them are able to get the drop on these highly trained operatives. This is that weird thing about film where that like, when we're outside the plane, there's a, there's, a, there's a stasis effect that happens. When the characters are not on camera, we often just think that wherever we last saw them, that's what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And we don't think about the fact that, yeah, that guy inside should be reacting. And and it, it's definitely, like, if you're thinking about things as you're going along, like, this is weird. Yeah. Uh, but I think a number of people may have not noticed that because they, in their minds, they're only paying attention to what's happening on screen. And I think maybe that's what they're relying on, right. which maybe isn't the best idea. <laughs> yeah, and... It just, again, adds up to everyone on that plane was not doing their job. The right. CIA guy, his henchmen, the pilots, like, they're terrible at this job. And a lot of times when this happens in movies, I'm like, you deserve to die. <laughs> like, it's sad and all, but you could have prevented this if you were just on your guard or better. So it kind of makes them not sympathetic beyond that point to me. Yeah. And then there's the, they turn, the, the 
they flip the plane over and there's some cool stuff where the where the guys are dropping down. They they lose the tail and then the wings fall off. Right. The guys drop down and and then you know uh, they're shooting people and they pump the guys. It's not really clear what's going on. I actually had to like Google it. Like, oh, I it got that they were putting the doctor's blood in the uh, into dead the dead body, body. They brought in so that he would be identified. Yeah, I had no. Oh. I think I was overthinking it. The first, when I saw it, I thought it had something to do with venom because it was Bane and stuff. Right. But, yeah, I guess that's what it's supposed to be. I went right over my head. I, at first, was looking for the Venom. I thought they were going to bring it out and Vane was going to strap in something. But then when they hooked up the Doctor, I was like, oh, they're faking his death. Yeah. That's uh, right. So it, Is this a thing that happens a lot? Like, why are you so familiar with death faking? pretty obvious to me. I mean, <laughs> I was like, no, they have a body. Oh, they're putting his blood in it. Yeah, so I mean. going to be identified as him. I assume yes. later in the film they'll clarify that, so I, I don't have a problem with I that. I doubt it will stand up to the scrutiny of Batman. <laughs> so, yeah, they turn... It's interesting. It's one of the more interesting things I think they actually do in this uh, prologue. Uh, the, but you mentioned that they turn the plane sideways, the tail flies off, and again, they're trying to make it look like he died in a plane crash, presumably. But again, that's Which another Which is why problem. they didn't just shoot everybody right. on a tarmac, yeah. But again, that's the problem I find with it is that this is highly unrealistic, and even without Batman, the FAA and people investigating were crashes would go, why did the wings fall off? And then it kept going for five miles. <laughs> They're way back there. Like, it shredded in a not-plane-crashy way, and I realize, again, maybe it's South America and a CIA super-secret flight, so they're not going to bring out all the FAA people, but I'm sure anyone that looks at aerial photos of it will go, well, that's odd. Yeah, like the CIA is going to try and investigate this. And then, granted, the, the fuselage wouldn't, if, if the wings fall off on an airplane, the fuselage will drop like straight. Right. But like the, the amount of, the distance that they were traveling, like that's, that's not, it's clearly not the same as, as what would have happened in a real crash. Like it should be pretty quick, it should be easy to determine this. I don't know how you determine these things, but there are people that do. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go ahead and say once you paratroop you guys in, and again, they did shoot up a bunch of people through the windows. Uh, so now just go over, you know, really quick zip line people in and then force the pilots down or take over the, if you're willing to shoot people, shoot those guys. Bane can break the pilot's necks or something because he's super strong. And then, uh, you know what, take a little more time to, uh, transfuse blood and throw the, and then jump on the zip lines back to the other plane and just push down on the throttle for the thing. So as long as they're dead bodies and one of them appears to be this doctor, they'll be like, someone was on board that shot these guys. Yeah. Overly elaborate, complicated plan. It looked cool enough for aerial stunts, but it didn't take long for me to question stuff because, again, these things just didn't seem on point. If if the, I think, acting on the mayor guy, see, you got me calling him. <laughs> I have not watched The Wire, and I'm calling him the mayor guy. Acting from the CIA head guy and everyone else being a little better and maybe them not having the stupid kind of dialogue of him threatening to shoot the guys when he's clearly not going to, I maybe wouldn't have paid attention to or questioned the logic of them paratrooping down to uh, turn a plane sideways would have might have just been cool. Yeah, it is sort of a death by a thousand cuts. Is that each each little thing by itself isn't enough to like not be cool, but eventually it, it falls apart. Uh, not excuse the pun, uh, <laughs> but uh, like you compare it to Joker's bank robbery at the be beginning of Dark Knight. That's overly elaborate. I mean, the guys are all killing each other and all that stuff. But that's sort of part of his principle is we're just going to do crazy chaotic stuff and I'm going to kill everybody who's ever met me uh, just because I can, you know, and I'm going to make them kill each other and then I'm going to drive away in a school bus because I'm crazy. But the point I'm trying to get at is the unreasonableness of the bank robbery is fine because the Joker himself is unreasonable and it fits his character. 
Bane is supposed to be super intelligent on, on top of being super strong and stuff. This isn't actually that great of a plan. Like, this this plan is not telling me that he's a brilliant strategist. Joker's bank robbery is telling me that he's a psychopath uh, with a death wish. This doesn't this doesn't convey... Like, I guess character. Yeah, overall, like, the main point of both of these prologue scenes is this is who... We're, who, this is our bad guy. This is who Batman has to face for the rest of the movie, and it's a big deal. I'm not as uh, impressed with Bane as I was with the Joker. Agreed. And I didn't actually do a lot of reading or research on you know the movie as it was being made, so I was waiting for him to strap on Venom or be you know bigger or something to that effect, and then it didn't. And then for the trailer, you don't see any. I, I gather, and I'm not entirely sure, but I gather that there is no Venom. Yeah, that's what it's starting to look like, and <laughs> I'm actually really confused now. Like, <laughs> no, Bane was the you know brilliant strategist's kind of debonairish with the Venom, and then the, you got to add all those things <laughs> kind of together to make it really big and impressive. It's an interesting case because uh, they discussed uh, uh, Christopher Nolan. I heard an, I, it's an interesting case because I heard an interview with Christopher Nolan. Uh, about the Joker, and he said it at certain points they thought he was just going to be a guy that that was his nickname, and maybe he wore a purple suit, but like he didn't have the makeup, he didn't have the green hair. Does he have green hair? I'm colorblind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he he didn't have all of that stuff, and what they realized was is that now he's just a guy, and so to make the to to match the the sort of epicness of Batman and the sort of iconography, you need to have the Joker iconography of the purple suit, the green hair, the makeup, and it's more. This is a more realistic treatment of the Joker, but it's still because he doesn't have the Joker gas or anything like that. He's not like invulnerable to any sort of poison or you know that that sort of nonsense. But he still has the recognizable Jokerness about the, his look. Bane doesn't. He doesn't have the stuff coming out of his head. He doesn't have the luchador mask. Um, he's a big guy. He's wearing a fur-lined trench coat. It's yeah, I, the. The pimp jacket that I keep seeing in all the like magazine articles and in the trailer and several shots, like I, I don't. And I heard that they're going with the Catwoman prostitute from Batman Year One, uh, so maybe the pimp jacket. There you <laughs> fits. go. Obviously, I'm not entirely sure, uh, but yeah. And the, yeah, and again, we, when you go and look at the trailer, uh, it's also not as impressive as as maybe I sort of expected. Yeah, I think when I watched the trailer after the prologue. I was like, oh, here we go. We're getting back into a little bit more, you know, Bruce Wayne and Alfred classic characters that uh, I like from the other ones. And we'll bring in some of the story. And we see a young boy singing the national anthem football game. Bane's walking behind the stands kind of. So you're like, ooh, this is going to be bad. Uh, then it's intercut with Alfred talking to Bruce. Yeah, about and, the childhood and stuff. Yes. Which, by the way, Michael Keane is such a good actor. He can bring tears to my eye while I'm watching a trailer. <laughs> like, yeah. no, he so is good. just kind of rambling in an old man way, and yet you're like, wow, that is he's epic. <laughs> so uh, that kind of, again, raised the bar back up a little bit, and I, and then it's uh, Selena Kyle yeah. just talking to uh, Bruce at a party, and it even you know echoed uh, the Michael Keaton one where they're dancing together when they realize. But uh, she's talking, she's wearing a mask and saying like, oh, there's a storm coming, and uh, ultimately, she says, and you and all the rich people will have to, you know, pay for what you've held withheld from the rest of us. And I was like, is she the 99%? <laughs> but uh, I really think that she felt kind of tacked on. Like, it, intercutting with 
Bruce and Alfred's talking to him, and then she brings the idea of, oh, this storm is coming. But then we see Bane, and it's all building up to, what is Bane going to do at this football stadium? Like, I'm imagining bombs ever, under every seat, the kid that's singing the national anthem to explode, you know, like everything. Then it, it finally erupts, and the football field itself starts falling. Like, there's explosions, but they're not even like fireballs so much as just small structural blasts that lower the field like 30 feet or something. Like, <laughs> all the football players fall down into a hole, but then you can still see them. They've got like three stories, and you're like, wow, they... They probably got kind of hurt. <laughs> Good thing they were wearing all that padding. Like, they're out there to hurt each other, and you hurt those guys. Like, I was, again, expecting the children in the stands to die. Maybe that's, again, a little more Joker-ness uh, with the horror and, you know, the worst possible thing you can think of. But still, the build-up to this, I expected the whole stadium just to be a citywide shot, and there's just a fireball where that was. <laughs> and then it kind of let me down. And let them down yeah it's in the hole <laughs> it's not really and granted it's a trailer so we don't know what yeah Bane's out of purpose context, in this. but it just doesn't read it does that's... seem like a terrorist attack that he's trying to frighten people uh and so that's while leaving them alive apparently uh, i guess i mean no maybe they're maimed but it doesn't have the shock and all yeah no it's it's in, it's visually impressive except that it's not really terrifying it's more confusing but like effects wise it's pretty cool looking yeah i mean like it I, almost reminded me of a, like the final destination or something it did shot, it totally reminded me of that the highways collapsing or something and oh the guy's running and he just makes it out yeah and then like the the, the field goal will fall over on him and kill him yeah because he was the next in line <laughs> right exactly then there are uh shots of oh, shit what was it called? Uh, was, no, um, oh, and it doesn't, this trailer doesn't really tell us much about the overall story, although we do see criminals running out of a, it looks like a prison, so I guess they're doing the Arkham breakout storyline, although it may not be Arkham specifically, but the Bane's origin, like, his first storyline was he broke all of the supervillains right. out of prison, and Batman had to get them all one by one, and then Bane took <laughs> Batman on, uh, once he was weakened, weakened from yeah. all of that. So maybe that's the plot, but it's not really clear. Like, this this teaser, this trailer was really just sort of a tone thing. It didn't really tell us what the plot was. Like, what is Bane up to? Um, we don't know how, how Selena Kyle is sort of tied in. She, she refers to we in some sense, and it's not clear. Is she talking about... Uh, is she working with someone, or is she talking about we the ninety nine percent? Like, is, she, is it a is it a, is it a metaphysical we, or is she working with Bane and you know something else? Like, it's not uh, it's all out of context, and I mean that's prejudging kind of. Granted, us, it's a but they put it out there to be judged. Like even with other marketing and trailers, they will Frankenstein lines together that have nothing to do with each other. <laughs> To make these lines that don't appear in the movie, just so it feels like the trailer is a complete kind of little story. And you know what's going on. Or even if there are big moments, it's like the shock and awe. Like, oh, I wonder what's going on there. I have to find out. Not in a, what the heck was going on there? Confused way. Yeah, and, and it's it's all sort of, like, I'm not sure what they're trying to convey to us about what this movie is about. And uh, on the other hand, like, it, you could just have... Uh, a two minutes of Christopher Nolan sitting on a pile of money counting out $100 bills, and I'd still go see Dark Knight Rises. So, uh, right, it just, for me, inspires a little bit of concern. 
about what the movie might shape up to be. Like, I, it didn't give the hope that I think, you know, it's, the other ones, the Joker prologue did. Yeah, it's it's really sort of all over the place. And I would even say, I, I actually have a, a, a greater fear because if you, there's a very distinct pattern among superhero stories, uh, superhero movies. The first one is good, the second one is better, and the third one is terrible. And this happens with Superman, Superman 2, Superman 3 sucks. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3 sucks. X-Men, X-Men 2, X-Men, the third, whatever yeah. the third one was called, was terrible. And in some, in certain cases, like you can say, oh, it's because Brian Singer left the X-Men series and made it terrible. Uh, or Richard Donner didn't direct Superman 3, but Sam Raimi was in charge for all three Spider-Man movies, and Spider-Man 3 was terrible. And uh, this, I'm honestly afraid that that's what's going to happen here. So as you can see, we do talk at great length. Uh, today we have spent more time discussing the prologue and trailer than the actual running time of those uh, advertisements. Yeah, we're probably in the 15 times longer than the <laughs> actual product now, but... Generally speaking, we talk about a two-hour movie for maybe 90 minutes. This is, uh, quite frankly, insane. Right. And yet, I don't think it's gonna stop, so stay tuned. <laughs>